The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I'm your host, This is episode number 37. I hope you had a wonderful Easter weekend celebrating the Savior. I hope you got to listen to conference and listen to all the wonderful messages. And I hope that April Fool's was not too crazy for you. Amazing to have Easter Sunday, April Fool's, and uh, conference all in the same weekend. But hopefully it was just great for you. And boy, what a show we have for you this week. Uh, My guests, guests this week... A little bit of history. I met uh, John Dye, actually, um, boy, I guess it's been about a year and a half now, something like that. Uh, we were at the CVX Live event that uh, the Roberts Brothers who, of uh, Board Shorts TV put together. And John and I briefly met there, and we've kind of stayed in touch ever since. And he was with uh, Boncom, which uh, is now uh, Articulate agency. And this is the agency that does uh, all the promotions for the church and and puts together all the big campaigns and the marketing. And he just does amazing things. And his wife, Jenny, uh, whom we also interview, I actually heard her not realizing she was John's wife. I heard her on the cultural hall. And if you go back, I don't know, probably 20 episodes back, I actually talked about some things she was saying. And then we pieced it all together that, oh, John and Jenny are married and And uh, I got to uh, meet her and spend some more time with John, and they were good enough to come in. This is a really special interview. I got to say, if you meet John and Jenny, you will fall in love with them. They are wonderful, incredible people. So much enthusiasm and so much energy and and uh, originally, my thought, you know, Jenny is uh, she is a, a blog a blogger and uh, hosts podcasts and is just amazing with social media. And of course, John's involved with all these influencers, and they just are so involved with different aspects of the church. And I thought that was what we were going to be talking about. And then we started talking about kind of what they had gone through with their divorces and how they came together. I am so excited for you to hear this interview. It is just absolutely beautiful. So we got that coming up for you. And this week in my Latter-day Life, I'm going to tell you about a funny thing that happened on the way to priesthood meeting about 30 years ago. So that's all coming up. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And it is my pleasure to have here in the Latter-day Live studios a power couple within the church. I mean, power couple. You should see their faces right now. They're clearly not buying that they're a power couple, but everybody knows they are. President and, and Wendy Nelson? No. no. Okay. <laughs> not that power couple. <laughs> that would be a coup. That would really be impressive. But uh, second place <laughs> after that, we have John and Jenny die with us. John, Jenny, how are you? Great. Great, Thanks Sean. for having us here. So, so glad that you're here. So uh, this has been a long time in the making. We I had to cancel one time because I was out of town, but we've been trying to get this all put together for a while. John and Jenny are husband and wife. 
Not newlyweds anymore, right? Um, in a few days, it will be one year. You know, so we are still in the newlywed <laughs> yes. days. Yes, so newlywed been married days. for about a year, and uh, Jenny has been involved in podcasts and social media and all kinds of things that we'll talk about in a little bit. And John works with the church <coughs> on all the marketing initiatives. We've actually dropped both of your names on this show before. So <laughs> oh, that's kind. So our, our uh, listeners may have heard uh, your names before. But first, let's get a little bit of history, a little bit of context. Jenny, what's what's your background? Where are you from? And kind of how what got you here? Okay, uh, I don't know how much detail you want. Uh, I grew up in Jamestown, New York, which oh, is, I didn't know that. Yeah, Western New York State. Lucille Ball is also who from- we saw tonight. <laughs> Is what? also from well. Yes, Lucille Ball. I was going to say you saw Jameson. her on TV. You did not see her. <laughs> Let's be clear. If you saw her, there was a her, junior high program this evening that we oh, saw. Fun. Yeah, I'm uh, from Jamestown, New York. I moved uh, to Provo when I was 19 years old, and um, and I never left. Um, wow. Well, no, I did leave last year when John and I got married. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, you know, Provo was supposed to have been a temporary stop in my life, and uh, I. I got married. Uh, I had a lot of kids. How many kids did you have? Uh, six. Six kids. Six kids. Yeah, that's Hashtag a lot. The wad. Yeah. <laughs> is that the what wad. the wad is? Yes. Yeah. The uh-huh. wad is your six it's kids. My six children. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I see on your social media post hashtag the wad. The wad. Yep. yep. I wasn't sure what that was. It's, it's, someone once said, "How many kids do you have?" And I told her, and she said, "Wow, that's like a whole wad of kids." <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it referred to as a wad. Uh huh. Yeah. So, um, and then I, uh, I got unmarried yeah. and, uh, how long ago was that? Uh, my divorce was final in 2015. Okay. Yeah. The spring of 2015. Yeah. And, uh, and then I met John and the next day we got, ma- no, we'll pause right there. Great recap. John, you step in. John, where, where, where are you from, John? Yeah. Uh, so I was born in Montana, little town of Corvallis, which yeah. is not Corvallis, Oregon. Same spelling. Not Corvallis, Oregon. Yeah. So I grew up there and ended up at Rick's College. Yeah. And uh, spent a year there and then a two-year While it was still Rick's. While it was still Rick's, for sure. Yeah. And where'd you serve your mission? In Taiwan. In Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah. Great place. Beautiful place. Came back a year at Rick's and then ended up at BYU and uh, got married there. Three kids. And uh, that's kind of where that took me. Yeah. So you are the second guests to have collectively more kids than I have. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often with my seven kids. Yes. But we had uh, Ernest Bourne and his family oh. on. Oh, sure. The Working with Lemons crew. Absolutely. And again, collectively, they come together with more than we have. So Absolutely. I'm always jealous, but not enough to have another kid. They were episode sure. one, weren't they? No, they were like uh, maybe 10 or something oh, like that. Oh, was that? Okay. Yeah, Ernest and I also grew up together, same stake. Oh, cool. Is that right? Yeah, out in San Jose, California. So this leads us to the big meeting. Where did you guys meet? I'm going to let Jenny tell the story. <laughs> uh, we met on Twitter. You met on Twitter. That's the right. other TF. Yeah. I think that's the, the first app. time I've ever heard that, that yeah. you met on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> How do you meet on Twitter? I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> this wasn't a setup. I didn't know this. <laughs> uh, so I've, since 2005, I've been a blogger. And um, while the things that I've blogged about aren't exclusively LDS themed, 
the things that I've written about have driven traffic to the church's website. And, oh, cool. And because of that, I was being spied on. No, I was pegged as <laughs> somewhat of an influencer. And so... Um, and and that is what John does is he works with influencers, yeah, um, in social media for the church, and so uh, so he knew my handle, uh, mm. and which is formerly Fred. Fred formerly is, Fred, yeah, Fred is spelled P H R E A D. Where did formerly Fred come from? Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was taking a gourmet cooking elective class, mm. and a, a guy named Jeff, a, who was a senior at the time, turned to me and said, "What's your name?" And I said, "Jenny." And he said, there are seven Jennies in this class. I'm going to call you Fred. <laughs> and so that is how that happened. So it's the word formerly and then P-H-R-E-A-D. Uh-huh. As in bread. Awesome. Yes. Just like bread. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, uh, back in in the fall of 2015, uh, I had gotten into a band, uh, a Scottish band called Churches. Whoa. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that was from. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And we had some. We had some messages back and forth today that I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was thinking of another band, the Church. Uh-huh. The church. <laughs> but it's Church. It's C H V R C H E S. Yeah. Familiar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and I had uh, I really liked them, and they came to Salt Lake, and so I got a ticket and went with some friends and cool. posted a video of myself and my friend lip syncing. You know. Turns out, John Dye also likes churches and did not go to that concert that night because he had to go to actual church. So he went to church instead of churches. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, because he was young men president at the time. Nice. Uh, but the next morning, John Dye being John Dye, he got on Twitter and searched the hashtag and found some tweets from me but and recognized my handle from work. And, and, you know, just sent a tweet my way and said, great shot or something. And that was in um, October of 2015. Wow. And then in uh, November of 2015, I was invited to a preview of the church's uh, Christmas initiative that year, which was... Yeah. We mean the Mormon church, right? Right. Not, not, the, not the band. <laughs> not the band, We're away guys. from the church's band. Um. Which was, I think, hashtag a savior is born. Savior is born. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I was yeah. invited to a preview of that, and it was up at Aspen Grove. And so um, I got there a little late because I had to, you know, run kids here and there. And I snuck in the back and sat down at a table with my friend Michelle. And nice. I, and I said, Who's speaking? And she said, That's John Dye. Do you know him? I said, I don't know. We're Facebook friends. Who, who, yeah. I, who knows? Whoever knows. Yeah. And, uh, and then after it was done and everyone was talking, being social, networking, I went to find Michelle, who was talking with John. And I just kind of made a triangle out of the three of us. And Perfect. M- Michelle said, John, do you know Jenny? And he looked at me and he extended his hand and shook my hand. He said, Jenny, you went to churches. And I was like, uh, yeah. Did, and you didn't run. Did you? You didn't. You didn't. <laughs> You're spying on me? And was it in a creepy then, way? Was it? Every no, day subsequent churches. to that, you've done this and that and the next. <laughs> yeah. Thing. So I was just like, were you there? And he said, no. Why is everything on Wednesday nights? And, uh, <laughs> and, yes. and that was that. And then, uh, and then I think a couple days later, I was house sitting. Uh, my kids were with their dad. And so I was house sitting for a friend in Salt Lake. Yeah. I knew that John lived in Salt Lake. And I sent him a message on Facebook. And I said, Hey, can you recommend a place to go running? I'm staying in Salt Lake, and um, we have not stopped talking since then. Wow, 
Wow, that's a neat story. Incredible, right? So how long before it was romantic? How long before you were dating? Well, what's what's interesting is after that, I took my youngest son to Israel over over Christmas. But uh, Jenny was entertaining her younger sister that year from Washington, D.C. She's single, so they flew back and went to Little America and just did things together. Grand America. Yeah. Did some things together. And... um, it started, you know, we started talking actually more, I'd say, right before then. But then I said, well, I'm off to Israel with my son. And she thought things would die down. But, you know, time zones and different things and Facebook Messenger allowed for us to keep talking. And, you know, I, I'd say, you know, it kind of solidified between Christmas and yeah, halfway through January. Yeah, I mean, because we, we, had, been, we had been talking... Um, mainly via text yeah. and really getting to know each other as friends and just being supportive. And I actually, um, that was my first Christmas without my kids. Wow, that's going to be hard. And it was. And so, you know, it was a two-week split. And so the first week, which included actual Christmas, Christmas Eve, yeah. uh, my kids were with their dad, and that's when my sister flew out to be mm. with me. That's and then the nice. second week, they my kids were with me, but I was actually hopeful that maybe John would ask me out. But then he's like, <laughs> "Oh, didn't I tell you I'm going to Jerusalem?" I'm like, I'm going to Israel for Christmas. Oh, <laughs> oh, great. great! That's really good fun. timing. All right, well, I'll talk to you later. But really, because of the time difference, yeah, um, I don't think four hours passed without us connecting, wow. just around the clock. That's awesome. And so we really, and then, uh, and then he got back a little after the new year and asked me on a date. Incredible. Um, and so and my wife and I go days without talking to each other. <laughs> days we go several. We may go months. I don't even keep track anymore. So the the fact that there's young love at our age, yes, is so wonderful. And what I love about this is that you know you're a blogger and a podcaster and. Great with social media. You work with influencers and work in the social media world. And that social media brought you guys together. This is like a movie script. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it could be, right? So for a lot of our listeners who either have gone through this or will go through this, bringing families together, what have you learned by trying to bring families together? I wish this was on video because John (laughs) just got a big smile and Jenny just rolled her eyes. (laughs) The head is back. She's looking at the ceiling. Um, Trying not to cry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is interesting. I'll, I'll start if you don't mind. Please. Um, it's, um, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of rewards. There's sure. obviously a lot of very good things. It's, I, I, re- I didn't. Sorry, really quickly. Yeah. Um, the age span of our children mm-hmm. um, is from 24 to 9. Wow. So, yeah, anyway. that's a big span. Yeah. yeah so, so, uh, and I have a special needs son, mm-hmm. 22, that's uh, almost 23, autistic. And so, um, some of the things that have been for me the most meaningful are her kids are so great with Andrew, who's my autistic son. Wonderful. That's Just, neat. You know, he's, I won't say he's grown up as, as an only child because he had a brother, but, um, and a sister, of course, but, um, you know, we spent a lot of time, the, the three of us, while I was single, the, the two boys and myself. But her kids are so wonderful with Andrew. And quite honestly, that's one of the things that attracted me most to her most quickly was her ability to just um, connect with Andrew. Beautiful. And she is just great that way. Um, but it is, it is tough. It is tough to bring other people into your life 
that yeah. haven't been there before and to make room for them and to to break you know specifically in the church you you know I think we have this idea of you know eternal families are important and I believe they are there's yeah. absolutely but especially you start off early in life thinking this is the definition of an eternal family right and when that crumbles for whatever reason to pick up those pieces or re configure what that looks like in your mind that's hard and it's something i'm personally still navigating yeah i mean i don't have all the answers and um i know i love her kids and i love her and this will all work out and things are good but sometimes i've got to think to myself i was and i've told jenny i've i was almost in an empty nester mode and then to (laughs) to deal with you know things that kid kids bring and and you know love it but it it's something that you know you learn sure. you learn patience all over again and in a different way in a good way do you believe it's easier now than it maybe would have been 15 years ago i feel like the church is trying to bring forth a lot of resources i always feel and maybe it was because i was you know a kid in the 80s and not paying attention but i always feel like things that were taboo whether we as a church culture or the church itself or both are getting better about saying, okay, we're going to talk about it and we're going to put resources out there and you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's better now or is it still just super tricky? Jenny, do you want to go I I do feel like it's better now. Uh, In fact, even in my own case, um, experiencing divorce, alone, not even to say anything about about the remarriage, but uh, divorce, you'll hear a lot of people people share their experiences of where, uh, well, I'll just tell you what my experience was. I was divorced. Um, I, uh, when I filed for divorce, my, my then husband was um, actually in the stake presidency. Oh, wow. And so, which I only mentioned because I was very afraid for what that could could have meant for me socially. Um, mm. uh, I wouldn't see, and I wouldn't have thought of that. Mm. And but now I totally get that. And yeah. the reason why is because, kind of as we were talking about before, is that humans need an answer. We are very just kind of naturally uncomfortable with I don't know, and because of that, mm. when there's a problem, people need a reason. Or, in other words, in a divorce, well, whose fault is it? Yeah. And for many people who have sustained this man in their church meetings, well, it couldn't possibly be his fault. So who does wow. that leave? Boy, that's a huge burden. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I was, gosh, that is a big burden to carry. Yeah. Um, luckily for me, I I don't think I could have at that point have had a better uh bishop or stake president to guide us through that process. Wow. Um, and to answer about, like, would it have been different 15 years ago? Yes. Um, if if for no other reason than that my bishop at the time of me going through my divorce has been divorced before, which is not something you hear very often. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So he would talk about just compassion. Yes, and empathy and, and not only and that. True understanding. Right. Yeah. And not only that, but there, um, so after our divorce was final, within a f- uh, nine months or so, I got an email from my ex's bishop asking for a letter of recommendation because he had proposed 
um, to a woman to to be sealed. And, mm. and, and so what they wanted was a statement from me, any thoughts or feelings that I had, and then also to ask if he was current in all his financial obligations. <laughs> um, and I, decide, I, I realized that I think that's an opportunity that a lot of people take to just really let loose, right? Yeah, here it comes. Um, but I had really focused during the process of my divorce, really focused on not letting bitterness get to me. And so I used, I just kind of focused on brevity. Everything I was writing, I was just like, mm. brevity, brevity, brevity. And, uh, and I just said, yes, he's, you know, at the time of this email is current on his financial obligations and I wish him well. And I hope to meet her someday soon because she'll be the stepmom of my kids. Wow. Uh, a great and, way to look at it. Too. Well, and, and I just, I had to come to, I mean, what, what's the other option, right? And, and right. from what I had heard, she loved my kids. She does. She loves my She's kids great. very much. And, um, and then they got married. And then a couple of weeks later, I just casually saw my bishop in the hallway at church. And I said, hey, I have a question about, and he said, do you want to get your ceiling canceled? And I was like, what? <laughs> and it actually had not occurred to me because before I had thought what you hear quite often, which is that when you're sealed um, and you get divorced, that um, unless there's a reason to cancel that ceiling, then you um, then you keep the ceiling because then you keep the the covenants that you made during the ceiling, which yeah. blesses you, blesses your children. But I, I made an appointment and I talked with him about it and, and he said, oh yeah, we, my first wife and I, you know, we canceled that. And, and I was like, oh, okay. I thought I, and I was under the impression also that, that I, if I were to have my ceiling canceled, that I would need to be, well, first that I would need my first husband's permission. And secondly, that I would um, need to be engaged to be married. But mm. I was I was not engaged. John and I were dating, but I but we weren't engaged. Yeah. And so I said, so I thought about it and I prayed about it and I thought, what does this mean? Well, it means my last name. Like I mean, there are other things too, but a huge sure. thing. And I just thought, I thought, uh, let's let her have it, meaning my kid's stepmom. Uh. And so I went to him and I said, yeah, let's do it. And so that like within an hour, he had forwarded me a link. Everything was done electronically. And it was just this kind of like drop down menu questionnaire, you know, from, from the church that just said, you know, why do you want to get your ceiling canceled? And then apparently one was also sent to my ex because my bishop called me in. He said he also submitted his and he said, I've read through everything he had to say mm. and I've decided to forward it on to Salt Lake. And then, I mean, later, I mean, a, a month and a half, maybe a month my ceiling was canceled. Yeah, three to so, four weeks. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that. I know nothing about yeah. this. And, and, but yeah. that's the thing. You don't I hear a lot about it. Most listeners don't. So I mean, and, yeah. and, but, but the yeah. thing is, that's new. I mean, because I talk to you know, my own peers who are women who have been divorced, who have asked to have their ceilings canceled with no intentions of getting married. And they're told that that's not something the church does. Well, the church does it. Yeah. You're living proof. Yep. Mm. Yeah. That is Which just I think, amazing. Which I think yeah. is encouraging. So, so since we're on, on all these, these topics anyway, what, what great advice do you have? Like, you know, we all, I mean, you know, you've both been through divorces now mm -hmm. and it's obviously going to shift the way you look at divorce. 
We all have friends who we find out, hey, they're getting a divorce, okay. What advice do you have about what to say and not to say and what is helpful? Because sometimes I just don't know. And the last thing that you want to do is, I think sometimes people err so badly not wanting to mm-hmm. ask questions or whatever that it's easier just to ignore that person because mm-hmm. I don't want to have an uncomfortable discussion. So what advice do you have for people if, you, if your friends are, especially it's hard when you're friends with both? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So, I mean, do you have any, any thoughts for what, what you appreciated or what you would have really preferred that people mm-hmm. had not said? Yeah, interesting, interesting question. I, uh, for, for me, my preference was just, I'm John. Treat me like John. And, you know, depending on how I'm feeling that day, I'll come out with, you know, whatever I need to, whether I cry or I, you know, need a slap on the back or whatever I need. Um, I think that was important to me is just treat me like John. Don't, don't shy away because then I pick up on that. Um, but don't ask a lot of questions either because, you know, people will kind of say what they want to say. At least that's the way I am. And the hardest part for me, honestly, was, uh, and, and the thing that was, thing that is and was the most instructive was I got a chance finally to look from the periphery, mm-hmm. from the outside in. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when people are dealing with same-sex attraction or, uh, you know, gay or lesbian or whatever the issue, if they're, you know, a drug addict or they have issues, you know, I, you know, thankfully I've never been in that position, but I have been on the periphery feeling like I've been on the outside looking in. And so I, I think to empathize with those people, like Jenny said, with her former Bishop that had been through the process. Sure. I mean, how you, you know, years of instruction cannot prep you and get you ready if you haven't gone through that. And I think the fact that, you know, going, harking back to your original question too, your question before this, Sean, was how is the church evolving or how are they looking at things Mm -hmm. differently? You know, I I think they are starting to see that, you know, at one point we had this, and we still have this ideal within the church, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the real that we experience is so different than that ideal that the church sets up. So how do we bridge that gap? And they're having to create the courses, the curriculum, the leadership training to, to deal with that. And um, I think they're doing a good job. And, um, and obviously, there's a lot more that can be done. But sure. um, anyway, I, I went off no, track no, a little I love bit. It. But this is, this is really interesting. But for me, I can now empathize with people that are on the periphery looking in. And I think I'm more, I, I hope I'm more empathetic. I hope I'm more understanding of yeah. those that don't fit whatever that perfect um, gospel standard is, you know, they're going through things and it's a process. Everybody's on a journey. Oh, that's such a great way to look at it. Jenny, anything that was helpful specifically or unhelpful? For yeah. Uh, there were, there were people uh, again, there were people in my stake who, I mean, like during the legal process, like they wrote letters like defending my husband's character, but simultaneously, insulting mine and that was very just hurtful and so so during stake events i would see them and just look them right in the eye and not in a haughty way but just like well this is sad i thought we were friends on award level uh i was embraced i mean my my biggest 
you know, and it's interesting too, because I lived in that ward in Provo for a long time, I think 14 years, and I had a hard, hard time breaking into it. Um, but I was just embraced and just taken care of. And I, I was, I was terrified for, for what it would mean for my kids. And I remember like right after, um, my, uh, right after the uh, mediation, uh, like the next week was a Relief Society activity where I was asked to be one of the presenters or something. And I cool. mean, just, just included and like, not, not like super special or whatever, but, but I mean, definitely an effort to let me know that I was not being forgotten or left aside. Mm. Um, and I think as far as like what to say to people or what not to say, um, I learned a long time ago, um, one of my children, I always say I have six kids, one, five alive, one in heaven. And I learned when I lost my son that people grieve differently. Yeah. And so, and so that's, I think one of the most important things to remember, if you have a friend who you find out is, is that their marriage is ending or that their, their marriage is in jeopardy of ending, um, remember, especially if it's something where they're coming to you to confide, uh, their situation is probably that quite a lot has happened to get to that point. So questioning whether or not they're sure is maybe not the the best <laughs> thing because I think they've already asked themselves if they're yeah. sure before they decide to talk about it. That's actually great advice. You know what I mean? Are you sure you want to go through a divorce? Oh my gosh. Well, it only dawned well, on me this morning. Well, I, well, yeah. well, I hadn't really right considered it. You know, I, listen, yeah. my kid just went to school all day. I'm bored. I thought I'd get a divorce next. Yeah. Big, next big project. I think I should watch so, a movie instead. <laughs> exactly. Netflix. So one of the, one of the, one of the things, I mean, I've, I've not been divorced. Uh, I'm out of town too much for that to happen. <laughs> My wife, quite literally, in, I'm not joking, very literally of our 24 years of marriage, I have spent more than four years of it at the Marriott. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's incredible. a true story. But uh, that notwithstanding, terrible joke, but my wife doesn't <laughs> listen to the show. Um, but, um, you know, I, I've never been through a divorce, but uh, I, a couple of years ago, went through losing a sibling. Mm, and right. uh, quite surprisingly, and I had one friend <clears throat> for whom I was very grateful who came to me and he said, I don't want to leave you alone, but I have no idea what I'm supposed yes. to say to you. And that's exactly the best and thing to say. And that is the thing to yep. say. Yep. And, and I think that in a divorce or whatever, whatever you're feeling, get that out. Yep. Get that out. I'm hurting for you. I feel for you. I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes any, I think any genuine effort, uh, one of my best friends in the world, the day that my brother died, he came over that evening. <laughs> it was uh, 4th of July, and he brought, or 3rd of July, but he brought over a watermelon and a plant and uh, some mm. Diet Coke. And he said, I went to the store and I had no idea what to get you, but I knew I needed to do something. Mm. And I think that, that those are the Christ-like yes. moments. Yes. And I think that anything you do in sincerity is uh, is appreciated. Wow, this is great insight. I hadn't planned on spending this much time Sorry. on it. But it's, no, it's what, I'm so glad that we did. But I do want to take a couple minutes to talk about kind of what you guys are known for, too, you know, because even though you're experts on, you know, this new marriage, which is so exciting, <laughs> about to celebrate one year. Yeah. And that was was great insight, but... But Jenny, talk a little bit about the state of influencers and bloggers and 
because a lot of our uh, a lot of our audience probably has no idea about this about this world. Yeah. Uh, so it's very interesting. I think back when I started blogging again in, in 2005, I f- feel like uh, there were seven of us. And <laughs> the magnificent seven. Yeah, yeah. And well, you know, and those bloggers. Right. And and you could write anything and there were inside jokes. And then after a time, it started to get to where someone at church would come up to me and say, I read what you wrote. And I thought, I did not write that for you. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> whoops. Yeah. And so uh, it's just, it's been fascinating to, yeah. to, to watch this evolve, right? Because right. you've got bloggers uh, and then you've got, uh, uh, you know, then you move on. I mean, with the audio, with podcasters and, and with video, sure. video is where it is right now. Yeah. And, and the content, I mean, and, and that anyone can do it is true that anyone can make a career out of it is not. <laughs> and, um, and there, there are, I mean, bless everybody for real, yeah. because I, yeah. you have to, dis- I mean, like anything else, if you're intentional about it, like, why are you doing it? Are you doing it to yeah. make an impression on someone? Then bye. If you're yourself, then yeah. welcome, like have a seat, mm. let's talk. Uh, but if you're doing it for likes, no. Sorry, mm. that's not why we're here. That's true. I, I only do this because it's the only way people will come to my house. <laughs> I, I literally, otherwise, I just home, be sitting home teachers and, and us. Right? <laughs> I'd be sitting and watching basketball. <laughs> otherwise, by myself in my pajamas, my life is very sad. I think that's great perspective because it's it's funny to watch how many people come into the influencer world and get out very fast. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Because I think they're seeking something out of it and are probably not getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I joke, the reason I really love this podcast is because of this. Yeah. The, the rest of the week. And when I get messages from people saying, Hey, this touched my heart or whatever. Wonderful. Mm. But this is what I love. It's a very selfish endeavor. Yeah. I'm not actually recording right now. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even have a podcast. So, um, so, so when we say influencers, I mean, a lot of our audience probably doesn't know what the influencers are, but John, do you want to talk a little bit about what Articulate is you bet. and what it does and you bet. what influencers are? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, back in the day when we were young in the 80s and the 90s, even into the early 2000s, you had your traditional broadcast media like television, radio, and billboards and things like that. Those still exist, but with the advent of the internet, now you have personal brands like a Lindsey Sterling, a David Archuleta piano guys now who literally reach more people than a lot of traditional mediums. Um, and so the question is, since we're all broadcasters now, we can all be broadcasters with blogs, vlogs, YouTube channels, social media. Sure. So the question is, you know, how do you harness that? How do you take somebody's personal brand that's an influencer, tie that to a more traditional brand like the church? And, and sync those two up, yoke those two together. Um, so at Articulate, what we do is we, we look for those people. We have a, you know, a, a vetted list of about 800 bloggers and influencers that we work with that are either members of the church or friends to the church. They're not members, but, but uh, friendly to our cause. And we just find the best way to, again, tie their brand to the brand of the church and, and get things out there. And the reason why you do that is especially with the church, right? If, if you were to walk down the street and you see two missionaries or Jehovah's Witnesses walking down the street, a lot of people go to the other side, make a beeline for the Absolutely. other side of the, sure. the sidewalk and, and yeah. try to avoid them. But 
um, you know, there's an institutional approach to that where people know what you're trying to do. But if you, again, yoke it to the brand of an influencer, you know, especially if you tie it with service, like Light the World or something, yeah. that is so much more authentic. It's so much more real. And, and people can, can take the trust that that brand or that influencer brings, and that's tied to the church. And we can kind of ride in the wake of, of whatever they bring. So that's the goal. And you can reach outside. The, I call it the Mormon echo chamber. You know, yeah. we talk to ourselves a lot. And social media... You know, with the algorithm, um, you like things and you start seeing the same circle of friends because so many people are trying to get into your newsfeed and they know what to feed you. So this is a way for us to break out of that Mormon echo chamber. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And Articulate, to be clear, is a separate agency that the church hires and works with right. to get these messages out. And some of the ways that Articulate works is with these influencers but then also getting out these campaigns like Light the World and, yeah, yeah. and working to get the word out. What I found fascinating was when, you know, I went to the one event. That's yes. my right. entire experience. Great, great. I am the least influential influencer. <laughs> You're great. We love Sean. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bottom of the barrel of influencers. <laughs> I have officially influenced six people in my life. But, but the point being, uh, you know, I went to the one influencer event. What was fascinating to me was meeting all these people. And it's, I'm a blogger. I have a YouTube channel. And it wasn't necessarily LDS, you know, some, mm -hmm. um, she's in her apron uh, is, is the YouTube channel. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, that she just gives a lot of home tips cause yes. she's got kids at home, yep. has a huge following. She's yep. great. Yep. But all these disparate, you know, I'm a singer, I'm an actor, I'm a whatever. We're all bringing our talents. You talk about the gospel. I mean, there is scripture after scripture that talks about this, about bringing your talents and we have a way to bring it forward like no other. So question for either of you, if we've got listeners who think, hey, I would love to be blogger, YouTube channel, whatever, and build the kingdom, um, what's, the, what's the advice? What should they do? Forget about it or move forward? Yeah, why? <laughs> why do you want to do that? <laughs> I think that's a great question, yeah. though. I really yeah. think that's a great question. I mean, because, uh, to, you know, to John's point, I mean, there are people like, like David Archuleta. I mean, this kid mm. was on American Idol. He's legit. A good singer. He's legit a good kid. Kid. Yeah. He's 26. Yeah, he looks like he's He's 12. fine. I know. <laughs> he's awesome. But, you yeah. know, but I mean, his, his, um, his audience is not solely Mormon. Not and, at all. And so for him, um, it's just kind of a, oh yeah, and like, like John said, it's a good match because it's on brand. So, so exactly. Like, why, why do you want to do this? Why do you want... You want to be a blogger? Great. You want to be um, an Instagram superstar? Okay. You have a YouTube channel? Okay. Why are you doing what you're doing? What are you good at? Mm. So I think I think some good advice is to know what you're good at. Like yeah. if what you're good at is you think you think you want to be um, whatever family's YouTube channel you like to watch. You know what? That's their thing. You be you. That's such good advice. Um, because because the value comes in, like, no matter what um, broadcasting, the value comes in authenticity. And so if you know who you are, and if who you are is, well, I'm on a journey to find out who I am, then have that be your thing. Yeah. Yeah. But if part of that includes missionary work in whatever way, mm. and that's the thing, too, that I've loved about about this realm that, 
that John and I shared even before we yeah. were friends uh, is that I am very uncomfortable with the idea of traditional missionary work. Mm. Oh my gosh. Ew. Ew. <laughs> but you know what? Put a microphone in front of my face and let's talk about what it means to live the gospel. Oh, or so you know great. what? I heard a great conference talk, so can I write this post about it? Mm. That is the, for me, that's good. And I think that kind of extends to a lot of people for whatever medium they're they're familiar with and comfortable with using. So yeah, I'd, I'd say um, know who you are, what you're doing, why, and why you're doing it. And what yeah. you're good at. Yeah. yeah. Know what yeah. you're good at, because yep. otherwise people yeah. won't jump on with you. Yeah. Exactly. If I started a YouTube singing channel, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not going to That would not work. <laughs> I, Sean, that's interesting. But I also think it's, I think it's important that we redefine maybe what influencer is. When, you know, I mentioned David Archuleta and Lindsey Sterling, the piano guys. You know, these are people, these are large reach vehicles, you yeah. know, if you look at the brand. But where we have the most impact when we talk about sharing the gospel, like Jenny just did, it's it's that circle of influence we have that's in that first orbit around us, right? It's not right. the 12th orbit out like Lindsay hits or something. This is um, – so, so be authentic. I, I love that. That's absolutely true. Be transparent. Be yourself. But uh, we often talk about it at uh, at Articulate and Bonneville Communications, share moments, not messages. Mm, when we talk about the gospel, um, you know, sometimes we get preachy. You know, sometimes we yeah. we see ourselves maybe in a hierarchical structure above other people, and we're giving them the gospel. And in in some ways, that blesses. Well, it does bless lives, but we we don't necessarily have to um, be preachy about it. And not only shouldn't we be, um, yeah. it, when we are, it's usually counterproductive. It doesn't work. Exactly. So share those moments. So if you're baptizing a child, take a picture in the foyer, you know, in your white jumpsuit with your child above, you know, with Christ above you, and you'll have people commenting on that. Yeah. And those create the natural discussions about the church that are easy to jump into where you don't have to just say, you know, my child's eight years old, they're getting baptized. It'll happen naturally. Yeah. Gosh, that's such great advice. Well, this has been just a wonderful discussion. We're about at time, and I could talk to you guys for another five hours, but <laughs> then our listenership would go down, and we need all the <laughs> listeners we can get. Tru- truthfully, when we started this, I literally said, I'd like to do a podcast, and I have very little talent, but no more talented people than almost anyone I know, <laughs> and we've not had a shortage of guests, so that's been my blessing and the blessing of this show. Um just wonderful. We are going to end with the question that we ask all of our guests, that we do our best not to prepare people beforehand. But that question, people, last week it was a three-word answer, and sometimes it's several minutes, whatever you guys want it to be. What does being a member of the church mean to you? And you can either, you can either one of you take it. Jenny, you, you start and I'll finish. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Just don't stop mid-sentence. <laughs> okay, ready? Okay, here we go. Ready? I believe. Okay, okay. <laughs> that would have been yeah, amazing. I know. <laughs> that would have been really good. Um, what does it mean to me? Um, so I think about the things that being a member of the church. I remember missionary, right? And again, like I just said, I don't like. The traditional idea of what it means to be a missionary. So then what does it mean? Um, I've joked in the past 
<laughs> Edit point if you need <laughs> that. Um, that they're trying to make me leave. <laughs> they're trying to get me to quit. <laughs> they can't get rid of me. I'm not going to leave the church. Yeah. Too much has happened in my life to um too much has happened in my life um to not acknowledge um pardon me for getting emotional it's great <laughs> going through a divorce mm. uh is uh, for me, it's different for everyone. Uh, but I experienced even even having lost a child, you know, having buried a son, um, being single again uh, brought experiences to my life where it where I found myself in the actual situation that we talk about of needing faith of being actually in the darkness and not knowing what the next step is never mind about oh well this will this will be my life i don't know what 10 years from now looks like i don't know what 5 years from now looks like i don't know what tomorrow looks like i don't know the next thing to do with this minute of my life um and i learned to lean into my savior in ways that i didn't know I could and didn't know until I did it were exactly what I mm. was meant to do. And it gave me a new understanding of not only the atonement, but also of the restoration and not just the restoration of the gospel, but because of the atonement, the restoration of hope mm. and the restoration of relationships and the restoration of love because mm. of the atonement. Wow. Beat that, John Dye. Oh my goodness. That was gorgeous. Thank you, that Jenny. That was incredible. That was great. John, what does being a member of the church mean to you? You know, I knew she could give an answer like that first, and so I had to think about things. But uh, That's so beautiful. It, Yeah. It is. Um, you know, really when I think about the church, and again, I look at the church being separate from the gospel. The church yeah. is the receptacle. It's the temporal receptacle that holds the gospel. And, uh, you know, the church is wonderful. Um, you know, mistakes are made within the church, whether it's at the, the lay level of, of leadership or, you know, organizations. But boy, everyone is sure trying and we're, we're doing our best to do to do what we can. But when I think of, of the church in particular, I think of, uh, well, I, I thought of three C's actually. Community. There are a lot of good people in the world. Oh, yeah. Whether they're members of the church or they're not. I sure. mean, you traveling, I'm sure you've met a lot of these folks. Tons. And anyone that has, has served a mission or been out in the world for any long period of time, there are good people in the world. But you need a community of some sort, and the church provides that. There, you know, when I went through my uh, divorce, again, I said I felt like I was on the outside looking in, but I had people, 
you know, pulling me in, in a good way. Yeah. Just saying, you know, grounding me in what was important. Mm. And uh, I think that was, that was very important to me. You know, the second C, I think, is covenants. You know, sure. there, there is power in creating those covenants with our Heavenly Father. And knowing what those promises are that are attached to those covenants, I think, again, grounds you. It gives you that hope gives you that perspective that you need to continue to to carry on. And the last one, I think Jenny hit it most beautifully. I don't think um, I need to say more, but Christ. Um, You know, Christ is, um, you know, he's everything. He is, without Christ, we don't have anything else. And um, we'll all go through our personal Gethsemane sometime in, in our life and if we look to Christ during that time frame, uh, he'll be there for us. As Jenny said, you know, we're in the dark. We don't know which way to turn. We don't know where the light is sometimes. But again, having that perspective, I think, is what's most important because with Christ, everything's possible. Oh, such beautiful answers. That was just absolutely beautiful. You guys are wonderful. Such great examples. And you're out doing so much good. I don't think you know how many hearts you touch and how much you orchestrate so much good in this world and how many people needed to hear some of the things we talked about tonight. So thank you for sharing your Latter-day Lives with us. Thanks, Sean. thanks to my friends Jenny and John Dive. I hope that you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I was so moved by it and touched by it and the rest of that evening and ever since. It's just left me pondering so many things, what beautiful spirits they are, and I'm just so grateful they came on the show. Okay, this week in uh, my Latter-day life with Priesthood Session, when it rolls around, um, we always have kind of a family story that we talk about. And I mentioned in the interview about my brother, Todd, who's passed away. I mentioned him a couple times. He and I were two years apart, so we were very close. And uh, when I was uh, 14 years old and Todd was 16, he was a new driver. And uh, on that particular, um, the Saturday of priesthood session, that morning I was actually performing in a play. And my mom had asked Todd if he would drive me and a couple of my friends to the performance. And so we hopped in the family van and we went to pick up my friend Terry. And as he was backing out of her driveway, we heard a big boom and he smashed into the side of a, an old, I think it was a Toyota Corolla or something and kind of crushed in the side of it. He hadn't seen it. Uh, that's what happens when you're 16 And uh, so unfortunately, my dad had to come down and fill out the paperwork for the insurance and whatnot. I went and performed in the play and came home and that night, time for priesthood session. I was about 14 years old. My brother was 16, as I mentioned. And my dad had the coolest car. It was a 1977 Mazda RX-7. This thing was awesome. And Todd and I were both just in love with it. And so my dad had gone forward to... uh, He had already gone over to priesthood session. He said, come meet us. And my brother said, okay, I'm just going to stop and pick up my friend Blair. And I thought, oh, great. If we go pick up Blair, the Mazda, the the RX-7 was a two-seater. I was going to have to cram myself into the back of a tiny hatchback. And I hated being back there. And it was hot. And the car was black. Not to mention, 
so unsafe. Why did we ever think that was okay in the back of a hatchback? But uh, but I knew that was what I was going to have to do. And my dad said, no, Todd, you are not to go pick up Blair. You bring your brother and you come straight over to priesthood session. And they argued for a while. And my brother finally just said, fine, fine. And uh, that was it, right? So time comes to take off. We take off. And when we get up to Branham Lane, instead of making a left to go toward the stake center, Todd turned right. Of course, because Blair lived to the right. We were going to go pick him up. That was what we were doing. And and I said, Todd, Dad said not to. And Todd said, yeah, it's fine. It's not a big deal. And I didn't really care that much. And I liked Blair a lot. So we kept going. And pretty soon, very quickly, these two really cute girls in a Volkswagen bug pulled up next to us and kind of smiled and waved. And we looked over at them in this hot RX-7 and we smiled and waved and suddenly, boom, my brother had rear-ended a BMW. Not just a BMW, but a BMW 2002. If you know that model, super cool, really cool car. My brother had crashed yet again, twice in one day. And we pulled over into the parking lot of Carl's Jr. And I just sat there going, my brother is dead. Oh, no. My dad's going to find out we were on our way to get Blair. And it's going to be game over. Uh, A friend of ours from our ward happened to drive by, saw me, asked if we were okay. And I hopped in his car and he drove me over to the stake center. I went in. My now priesthood session had already started. I went in and sat next to my dad. And I was so scared to tell my dad. because I knew he was not going to be happy that I just sat there. I didn't say a word. And after about three or four minutes, he said, where's your brother? And I said, um, there was a bit of a problem. Uh, and he said, what? And I said, yeah, we got into another accident. And he said, what? And we went, went out to his car. Now we hopped in my dad's car. My dad's regular car was an Audi. It was actually quite fast also. And we started driving. He said, are you guys okay? What happened? And at first he was worried parent. And then I said, yeah, dad, he actually rear-ended another car. And my dad said, oh, oh, uh, mm-hmm. And then he said, okay, where is the car? And I said, it's at Carl's Jr. He said, Carl's Jr., that's not on the way to... And suddenly it dawned on my father why it was not on the way to the stake center. <laughs> And my dad floored it, and we went about 90 miles an hour. I felt safer driving with Todd than I did with my dad at that point. And we flew into this parking lot where my brother was standing with the BMW owner. And uh, sure enough, the BMW was going to need a lot of work. And my, my brother immediately ran to my dad and said, but dad, and my dad just pointed at his car and said to get in. For some reason, my dad was so angry after he got done doing the paperwork He drove my brother home and told me, a 14-year-old, that I should drive his stick shift Mazda RX-7 home, which I was happy to do at 14, well before my driver's license. Well, that was the end of the world. My brother was so miserable. He was grounded. He was done with driving. He was, it was, and for me as a 14-year-old, while I laugh telling the story now, it was terrible. I mean, it was the worst. And I thought, man, we will never get past this. You know, as a 14-year-old, that's what you think. And my brother, certainly at 16, that's what he thought. And then the next year, we didn't really mention it. (laughs) We didn't want to talk about it, you know. And then my brother went on his mission. And then he came back and we started talking about, remember that time, priesthood session? And from that point on, every priesthood session, 
we'd mention, hey, remember the time when Todd was 16 and he crashed twice in one day? Remember we were picking up Blair? And every single year at Priesthood Session, twice a year, we retell that story. That story has become so famous and funny in our family, and what was once pain was turned to joy. And now that my brother's gone, we still tell the story amongst ourselves. I was telling uh, one of my daughters uh, just earlier this evening. And isn't that the message of the gospel? That our pains, everything that we feel today, all this pain, that the Lord will find a way to turn it to joy, whether it's in this life or in the next life. When I hear John and Jenny talk about their pain, and they talk about the divorces, and they talk about how terribly difficult it is, and then when I see them hold hands, and I see the joy when they look at each other in the eyes, and just how beautiful it is, He will take our pains, and He will turn them to joy, and it may not be in this life, but it may, and certainly many of our pains. They will become joy if we are patient and we are faithful in the gospel. I believe that, and that is the message of Easter, and that is the message of the atonement, and that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for listening. We sure appreciate it. If you would, if you get a chance, if you could share this with someone who might enjoy it, we'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, We can be listened to right on our own website at latterdaylives.com or on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, basically anywhere that you would get your uh, podcasts. We are right there, and if you'd share it, that would be wonderful. Please follow us on social media. we got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We try to keep those up quite a bit. And tune in again next Monday when we're going to have another wonderful show for you. But until then, please keep in mind, as always that there really is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.